Hey, Hope Brooklyn. Once again, thank you for joining us for our Sunday service online. My name is Bryant. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's just my joy and pleasure to be able to share today's message and word with you. Today, I want to talk about the tension of finding our home. And if I were to ask you, what do you consider to be a home? What would it be? What do you see? What do you notice? What do you smell? How do you feel? I know for me, the sense of smell is always a powerful reminder of what home is. Um, whether it's your parents cooking, my parents cooking, our grandparents cooking, even better. I remember just going home and having this distinct smell that I knew I was reaching the third floor of my apartment. And we have a lot of different ways that we can define home. For some of us, it may be the people that we're around, the community. Some, some of us, it might be the things that we own, the place, the location. And I know there's always a constant debate and an argument going on. When are you a New Yorker, right? Um, I know I always struggle with my identity as a New Yorker because I wasn't born here. Surprise, surprise. Um, I'm a fraud. I was born in L.A., but moved to New York when I was one. So everything but born and, ra born and raised. Um, so, you know, people, five years, does that make you a New Yorker? Take 20 years. Did you have to go to high school here and truck through the snow and blizzards to go to school? What defines you as a New Yorker? What defines you as a native? And how do you consider something home? I remember one time I came back from my Bible college, which, which was out in Pennsylvania. It was my freshman year. Um, it was in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. And I remember my mom didn't let me come home for the holidays. Um, I, I told the campus was closing. She's like, nope, figure it out. It was tough love. Um, and finally, the semester was over. I came home. Finally home, I was going to sleep in my own bed, you know, sleep, uh, take a shower in my own bathroom, eat home-cooked meals. I remember getting out of my friend's car, and then the lock didn't work. And I called my mom. I said, hey, did you change the locks? And she told me, no, we moved. So I found out that we moved when I arrived in the front of my house. And I said, where? She said, two blocks down. So I remember having this feeling of just immense grief. I didn't know it was grief at the time, but I remember sitting years later in therapy and talking to my therapist and mentioning the fact that I couldn't say goodbye to my old room. I couldn't say goodbye to the place where I grew up in. Even if it was just two blocks down in another apartment that looked pretty similar to where I grew up, it was different. And in all of us, we have this longing for home. Um, there's, a, there's a quote by Maya Angelou in one of her autobiographies, all God's children need traveling shoes. I'm not, you know, so much into literature or poetry. or This is just something I remember in my high school classroom, probably the only thing I remember from high school. Um, but it, sa it says this, the ache for home lives in all of us, the safe place where we can go as we are and not be questioned. The aching for home. We have this longing and this desire to feel where we can, we, can, we can feel safe, secure, comfortable. And no matter how we define what a home is or where our home is, whether it's in our hearts, in our minds, or a physical location, we have this longing for home. See, this desire and this aching for home causes and leads us to find things to fill it. We feel like there's something missing. And even though we've lived in a place our entire life, we're always trying to fill it with something that makes it feel home. We're aching and longing for something that feels familiar, for something that feels secure. And especially this year, during a season of just 
pain, grief, transitions, changes, expected or unexpected. We're looking for some sort of stability. We're looking for a longing to be home. And I know many of us that are probably watching, some of you have moved out of the city. Some of you have moved neighborhoods, locations. Some of us, you know, we moved back to our family out of state. Some of us, we might have moved to a different borough. And you know what? That makes a huge difference in New York. And we have this mindset and this heart that we want to settle in. We want to be comfortable. And so how do we fill this longing for home? For many of us, maybe we try to curate that perfect family. If I have a family of my own, place where I can call home, where I can come and see the same people week, day by day, a place where I know I'll be loved and cared for, having parents who are close, having cousins who are close, having our own family, our own children, we try to fill it. Some of us, we might try building security and safety. And I don't know about you, but for me, I love purchasing things that brings sentimental value. For me, I don't know why, but materialism and possessions, this is my confession, bring some sort of familiarity for me, some sort of comfort. And oddly enough, during this season of just being stuck at home, I bought a lot of useless stuff. I don't know why, a lot of it I returned, some of it I kept, but I bought a lot of useless things because it felt comfortable for me. It felt like certain products, certain items, made me feel safe in home. Unfortunately, a lot of this is just temporary. See, the sense of longing for a home, the sense of kind of being a wanderer many times, is not anything new. Biblically speaking, the exile is something that people have struggled with since the creation of humanity. When Adam and Eve was being casted out of the garden, that was the first form of exile that we noticed. See, in the garden, there was this unity, this closeness, this, this, this relationship with God that couldn't be separated. But then once sin entered in to the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, they were cast out of the garden. And as they were being cast out, that's the first sign of exile that we see of the people of God. And many of us, we might be in a situation right now where we feel like exiles, we don't know what really is home. We don't really know where we belong. We're kind of just wandering through from place to place, from day to day. But we, not- we notice in Scripture that this is a struggle that the people of God had all throughout, where they're look- constantly looking for a place where they call their own, their own place of worship, their own place of home, their own kind of kingdom here on earth. In Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16, we notice something very unique. In Hebrews 11, there's a long list of men and women of God that are called by faith. And by faith, it says, and it shows an order and the accomplishments and the things that these men and women of God did to follow God. But in chapter 11, verse 13 to 16, there's a little break and it says this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And this is a very kind of hard passage and hard scripture to kind of breathe in a little bit. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. 
they did not receive the things promised. I don't know about you, but when, I'm, when I don't receive the promises that were made to me, I get very upset and bitter. And I remember being at Target, shopping with my wife. Um, we, it, it's always tough going into the holiday season because um, my wife is all into Christmas and the holiday spirit. I am not. Um, so she's always leaning towards the Christmas section, the holiday section, and I always try to convince her it's too early. Um, but by the time I, I say it's okay, it's too late. So we were shopping at Target, and I remember this one kid screaming at the top of his lungs at his mom. He said, you said if we come to Target, I can buy a toy. And his mom clearly was using that as a, as a plot to get him to just come to the store. And I remember him screaming at his mom and saying, you promised me. And then he le then led on to calling her a liar. <laughs> and I looked at the child and I was like, oh my goodness. That was me when I was a kid. That was the first thought. The second thought was, that's probably who I still am inside. When, things are, when promises aren't kept, that's the feeling I get. And a lot of times, I struggle this with my relationship with God, the broken promises or the promises that haven't been fulfilled yet. And a lot of times in my prayers, maybe I do call God a liar. Maybe I do struggle, says, you promised me this. You said if I was obedient to you, if I followed you in these next steps, this would be promised. And I look here in, past, in this passage and all these heroes of the faith, all these figures that set out Christianity, that you, probably noticeable figures in the Old Testament and the New, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And that's painful. That they, they knew what they were promised, but they could only see it at a distance. A lot of them weren't able to see the fruition of the promises that God told them. Only in generations later did it come true. But the interesting part here is when, this, when it says, the writer says, admitting that there were foreigners and strangers on earth. Continues on to say, people who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. It's Hebrews 11, 13 to 16. See, I know a lot of, for us, we're feeling the effects of being in exile, especially as a church. As a church, even at this moment, I'm not in a space gathered with other people who want to come and encounter God or meet God I'm not in a space full of people who are worshiping together, who are praying together, who are sharing communion together. We're scattered. Maybe in your homes, in your cars, on a walk. You may be in a different city, different state. We're scattered. And as a church plant, we don't have a building that we call our own. We can't point to an address and say, that is our church building. I feel like an exile. I feel like a nomad. I feel like we're just wandering from place to place, wondering where everyone is. And see, the people of God are not strangers to this. They faced kingdoms 
and rules of different kings, of different nations. They were sometimes given a small plot of land saying, this is yours, but you live under the reign of another, another dynasty, another nation. There were a set of rules that they had to adhere to. There were other gods they were forced to worship. They had to figure out their identity of how do I call a place home when they don't want me here, when I don't belong. And I know to a degree we are struggling with that feeling of being in exile as a church. Spiritually, our place of worship has been removed. Our homes, our city has been disturbed. And I know there's always this back and forth, is New York City dead? And no matter where you stand on that topic, it's definitely sad to see when you walk down the street, some of your favorite places closed down, boarded up. It's sad to hear your friends and families moving out. Our, our, our life has been disturbed. Our safety and our security, those lines have been destroyed. Circumstances that we can't foresee, changes that we didn't expect, we're wandering. And I know to remedy this feeling of being an exile, we try to dig deep. We try to find areas of comfort, of areas of familiarity. We try to make our home here. We try to make our home in groups and friendships that affirm us. We try to make our home by purchasing things that bring us the, the, the mirage or the illusion that this is my place. But to be a Christian, to be a follower of God, is to be like the people that's mentioned in Hebrews. They were promised a lot of things, and maybe for us, a lot of promises have been broken. Whether it was through a person verbally telling you, or promises that we've established ourselves, my one-year goal, my five-year goal, I'm going to start a family th th at this time, Maybe a lot of those promises have been broken and disturbed and we're just wandering. But admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth, that's such a foreign, that's a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to say that this place, this city, this earth is not our home. Physically, we're inhabiting it. But these people recognize this is not my home. They were longing for a better country. And a lot of times when our eyes and our sights are so focused on the here and now, we forget that there's something better awaiting for those who follow Jesus and call God their Savior. Because here's the thing, no matter how hard I've tried in my lifetime, which is not that long, but no matter how hard I've tried, the feeling of home is only temporary. It might be a year. Sometimes it's just overnight. But it feels odd that I'm constantly trying to make this place something comfortable, something safe, something secure. And I know the things that are promised around me on this earth will never fulfill it. Where I put all my hope, all my identity, hoping that this place will take me. Maybe I place all my hope and all my energy into something or someone so that I can feel loved and I can feel safe. And yet, we never know when those things could last or how long it will last. 
It's temporary. But these people in the Bible, these followers of God, they kept their eyes on a heavenly city. They kept their eyes on a kingdom that knew where there would be peace and no more suffering and justice. And let me get this straight. It's not a bad thing to long for home. It's not a bad thing to ache for home. It's natural. It's actually divine. If we believe that God has created us in his image, there's a longing for us to be with God. The only problem is we replace God with all these other substitutes. It could be a political party. These people, that's my home. That's my family. It can be a city that we dig so deep. This is my home. This is my city. We try to quickly identify with people and things that I belong to because we want to build those trenches and dig deep and hope this time it'll work out, that this will be my home. But this year, if it has shown anything, is that anything and everything can be changed in a minute. Our entire lives can be disrupted and disturbed. Our homes can be uprooted. How many of us expected last year, New York City will be my home? Maybe I found the right neighborhood. I found the right church. I know a lot of times location is a big thing for finding the right church. Oh, I could just walk down the block. I love hearing that. I love being a church for the community, for the neighborhood. But clearly all of that has changed. Our homes, our pl- the places where we call family, has been uprooted. And I especially want to focus on the aspect of church being our home, our place of worship. And I know a lot of times we may struggle with the presence of God and experiencing God because we don't have that Sunday experience. I get the pain. I miss all of you. I miss seeing you on Sunday. I miss having coffee with you in the, in the foyer downstairs outside of the auditorium. I miss being in the auditorium worshiping together, taking communion together, the long lines down the aisle. I miss seeing the kids and the families. I miss having brunch and, and breakfast burritos with you. I miss having church with you. But don't be mistaken. Sunday is not the entirety of our spirituality. That experience is important. The gathering of believers, the gathering of Christians. But that is not the only thing that defines the presence of God. In Acts chapter 7, it's one of my favorite um, passages. This is the stoning of Stephen. The Pharisees want to get rid of Stephen because he's preaching this gospel. He's preaching this truth that the temple does not restrict and contain God. He's talking about the presence of God being everywhere. And the short snippet of 748 to 50 says, However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hands made all these things? So here's the truth and reality of it. If Sunday is the entirety of our spiritual experience of God, we are missing out on a big portion of our relationship with him. I know we miss community. 
And for some reason, community is actually one of the number one reasons a lot of people say they find church or they leave church. I don't know the statistics for it. This is just from my personal experience of being a pastor in the city for almost 15 years. People say, I like this community. I like the people here. And a lot of people leave because they say, well, I didn't feel like the community was for me. It wasn't enough. And I get that. That's very fair. And I'm sorry if we haven't been able to be that community for you. But I wanted to really ask this question and kind of set a moment to self-reflect and to ask God to kind of poke into our hearts a little bit. Has our relationship with God dwindled because we no longer see the community or has our relationship with God dwindled because our lack of seeking his presence. In Acts, Stephen, he had a sermon to preach before he was killed and martyred. He had, a, he had one message to preach and the, and the sermon and the message he gave was that the presence of God cannot be contained and held into one place. Wherever you're watching, wherever you're viewing, the presence of God is with you. And I'm going to be very frank, and I hope the viewership does not tank next week. But this is not it. I hope that this Sunday, this one hour, one hour, 15 minutes, one hour and 30 some Sunday, sorry about that, whatever it may be, I hope that this is not the entirety of your relationship with God. Because this does not fully define God. Because God cannot be defined into a short video or into a one-hour Sunday experience. It helps greatly for us to experience God together as a community because it gives us a glimpse of what heaven could be like. But this isn't it. See, the people that is mentioned in this Hebrew chapter, I'm going to be honest, if you really read through the Old Testament and look up all these names, they went through a lot. Abraham, was a wanderer, an exile. He was asked to leave the comforts of his home, the riches of his home, to go somewhere. Wasn't told where, just somewhere. See, I'm the type, I cannot get into my car and just wander around. I need a destination. I'm going to be honest, if God gave me that call, I would have a really hard time answering that call to just go. I have some friends who are adventurers and they could just go. I can't. I need a destination. But Abraham was told to just go. And step by step, day by day, God led him where to go next. A lot of them looked up and they saw the circumstances and everything was distraught. Nothing seemed safe. Nothing seemed normal. Everything was just, there was a struggle. That's why it says that by faith, God led these people. There's a book, um, The Screwtape Letter. Um, I'm rereading it of a couple of friends of mine. And if you've never read this book, it's by C.S. Lewis, um, who is a well-renowned, profound Christian and believer and writer. And in this book, it's, a, it's from the perspective of the enemy, which is, a, which is Satan, the Satan, the devil. And it's a senior devil, screw tape, training his nephew, Wormwood, on how to pull people away from God. And there's this passage, um, this one passage, remember, the enemy is God in this passage. 
So Screwtape tells his nephew, his junior devil, Wormwood, do not be deceived, Wormwood. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks around upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and still obeys. See, why is it so important to find home in the presence of God? Why is it so important that God becomes our home? Not just heaven, not just this longing for heaven, which is important, we see it in Hebrews, but every day here on earth, for us to sit in the presence of God, to be with Him. See, home is when we find ourselves with God in His presence and accepting the grace and mercy that calls us His children. It's powerful because as we look into the universe, and I know there are probably many days for some of us who are dealing through just loneliness, anxiety, deep worry about the future, we look into the world and we are asking, where is God? Yet by somehow, by faith, we're still being led to worship Him and to call Him our God, our Father, our good Father. See, do you know what true power is? It's not reigning over people. True power isn't just having authority. True power isn't brute strength or boldness or courage. True power is this. In Philippians 4, 11 to 13. I'm not saying this, and this is Apostle Paul talking, in prison. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That's true power. That nothing in this world has any credit or authority over his life. And in the same letter, he talks about our citizenship as Christians being in heaven. That we're just kind of just wandering through. We're exiles in this land. We're sojourners. And I always think of this imagery. It might be very simple. It might be too simple. But for those of us who frequent travel, frequently travel or, you know, love staying at Airbnbs, hotels. Um, my wife and I love staying at hotels because we don't have to clean but I just can't imagine checking into a place overnight and bringing all your furniture, bringing all the things from home, bringing all the food from your refrigerator, bringing family photos and just setting up the hotel room like that. It's bizarre because we know that's not our home. We know it is going to be temporary. In the same way, it's odd for us to gain treasures and make everything that we own here and we try to force it to be permanent, when in the end, it's going to be temporary. See, the power of the gospel and the power of what Jesus did on the cross is this. That nothing in this world can have a hold on us. That there is nothing that can take away from our joy, our peace, our boldness and courage. 
that when our home is made in the presence of God, there's power and comfort. And I'll close with this. There's a little story about an artist. Um, there was a challenge, a competition. And the challenge was to draw the most peaceful painting that you could draw. And so obviously people drew fields of lilies. I don't know why that's always the first peaceful analogy um, of just like just beautiful nature. And apparently this one artist drew a storm in the middle of the sea. And in this storm, there was a little, a little cave. And in the cave were two birds safe from the storm, safe, safe from the waves, the rain. And the artist described that peace isn't when everything is going all right. Peace isn't when everything is calm. Peace is when in the midst of the storm that there's comfort. In the midst of the storm, there's a place where we find joy. In the midst of the storm, there's a place where we find safety. And my encouragement to you is that 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 only place can be found is in the presence of God. See, Jesus came to this earth. And as we're getting ready for Advent season coming, I know it's Advent season already. Christmas is upon us. (laughs) But as we're thinking through Advent season, we notice that Jesus came as an exile. Jesus left his home. He came here to earth, left his heavenly throne to be with us. And that in his death, as he became the exile, he also became the one that delivered us out of exile. He is the one that called us home. It is through him that we find safety and presence with God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I know for many of us right now, maybe we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know if we're going to have work. We don't know the health of a loved one. We don't know what school is going to look like for our kids and for all you teachers out there. There's just so much uncertainty. There's so many things that can be disturbed and tossed around. But my encouragement is to seek the presence of God, no matter where you are. Not to just seek the Sunday experience, but in your moments of just being alone, or maybe with another companion or accountability partner, being able to pray. And not to just like think of God and be like, okay, this is a good feeling, but to really dig into his presence, asking him to meet you where you are. Because here's the thing about the presence of God. The presence of God will disturb us. The presence of God isn't just normal. And maybe for some of us, we turn spirituality, our faith as a Christian, into this normal experience of Sunday church. And for those of you who are skeptics and looking into Christianity, I want to let you know that Sunday is not the fullness of who God is. His fullness comes when He meets us in our most broken and vulnerable state. And when He comes, meets us there, and lets us know that we are loved, that we are safe, and that we are comforted. The fullness of God comes when we are mourning and grieving, but somehow we find joy in the next morning. So today, 
this week. Try to find those moments of God. Try to find those moments where we can call out to him, where we can be with him. As an exile, maybe we're just wandering. We don't feel like we have a place. We don't have a home. God is calling you home. Through what Jesus has done, he has prepared a home for you. So we just take a moment just to pray and to shift our hearts. Maybe we're planting deep roots into the place that we are right now of our families, our, the city that we're in, the location, the things that we own. Maybe we're planting deep our jobs, our careers, whatever it may be. But once again, I want to ask what home feels like for you. For me, it's just being in the presence of God and being called a son. That despite my most heinous acts, despite my most vulnerable places in life, that I am still loved, that I am forgiven, and that his promises are still there even if I can't see them right now. So let's take a moment just to hold on to that truth and that promise of God.